Before we uh, open God's word and I preach his word, uh, I would like to pray. Father, we are to rightly divide the word of truth in such a way that it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Uh, you've taught me a lot as I've studied Second John in a way that I've never studied Second John before. And I pray, Father, that your spirit now would cause the distractions to be diminished and the things and cares of this world to fade into the background, uh, that we would be attentive to the Spirit and to what the Word says, what you have communicated. And I pray this again boldly because we have access through the finished work of your Son. Amen. Now, I, I create slides oftentimes wondering whether or not there's good purpose for them. And I was reminded this week by Waldelli that having an outline in the bulletin and having these slides is actually helpful to somebody that doesn't have English as their primary language. So as much as I don't always want, I wonder whether or not the slides are necessary or effective, um, I was encouraged by that uh, reminder from uh, Waldelli. She was over here, wasn't she? There she is. Yes, yes, yes. So thank you. Thank you for that encouragement uh, to, to keep doing that uh, PowerPoint. In the investment world, there are teachers and advisors that are providing good and helpful advice. But there are a host of advisors that do not. They are, let's just call them liars, okay? Deceivers. Um, and they, they often have really clever approaches that sound like this is a, a way to make a boatload of money with little work in hardly any time at all. And we're all gullible. We all are at some level. Have you ever purchased something, been sold something, and then take it home and discover this isn't exactly what I signed up for? You know, it's, it's great that some stores have a, a liberal return policy because oftentimes I find myself back at customer service saying, this isn't what I expected. This is not what I signed up for. I've been deceived. Maybe I was too optimistic about the claims of the uh, product. I want to give you three uh, deceivers from history from the investment world because that's one of the areas that I help people with. And and I want to alert you to the fact that uh, there are people out there that would like your money and don't really care about you, okay? They want to get as much from you as they can, and they want to give as little in return. The first one is the infamous Charles Ponzi, and his deceit was there weren't any real returns. Uh, what he was doing was called a Ponzi scheme. Now, it didn't become a Ponzi scheme until it got his name attached to it because he's the guy that did the scheme. And the scheme was pretty easy uh, from his perspective. Um, and, and basically, there were no real returns. He was taking money from new investors and giving it to the guys that came along first and gave him money to make it look like they were, you know, he was doing a good job. He was building wealth and he was able to give these, the, the earlier investors a return on investment. The slide says, 
If it's too good to be true, it usually is. In other words, it's false. It's wrong. But lots of people got Ponzi'd. Lots of people. Now, you'd think that if people knew there were Ponzi schemes, that they would be alert to that. However, in recent history, there's a man by the name of Bernie Madoff. Bernie was creative. He did the same thing, but he did it on a grander scale. And he did it with people that were really, really, you know, brilliant people. These are people that should have known better. They should have known that what he was giving them in promised returns was just insane. But I, but I have to admire him for one thing. He had a whole group in information technology creating statements that were patently false. And they looked professional. You know, they looked, they looked like the real thing, like the statements you get from your advisor. Hopefully your advisor's not Bernie Madoff. There's a Ponzi scheme for dummies book. I don't know if there really is or not. Okay, but the subtitle on this book is How to Turn Old Money into No Money. <laughs> and that's what he did for people. He stole basically from people that should have known better and realized this is too good to be true. How does he do this? There's even a Christian school in, in Milwaukee that got Ponzi'd by somebody that had a promise that was just too good to be true and it was too good to be true. The third one is from the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort. And he went for that classic pump and dump approach, which was he bought stock like, you know, penny stocks. You could buy a, a 10,000 shares for next to nothing. And then he would use communications to tell everybody how great this company was and how well they were doing and the price, you know, lots of gullible people flocked to the market and started buying that, and the price went up. You know what uh, Jordan did? Sold. He was no dummy. He knew it was all a lie. He knew it was a, a mountain of fabrications. And here's what he had to say. Act as if you're a wealthy man, rich already, and then you'll surely become rich. Act as if you've unmatched confidence, and then people will surely have confidence in you. Act as if you have unmatched experience and then people will follow your advice. And act as if you've already become a tremendous success and as sure as I stand here today, you will become successful. He's a liar. There, there's nothing truthful about that man. So he inflated the price of worthless stock, made a bundle, and got caught. Be sure your sins will find you out. So wherever truth is proclaimed, John knew, and God wanted us to know uh, in 2 John, that there will be opposition and there will be substitutes for the truth. And that's as old as history itself, even in the Garden of Eden. In clear language, opposition or substitutes for the truth are lies. Everybody knows what a lie is, right? It's the opposite of truth. It's deception, it's falsehood, and each of John's epistles warns about this. In 3 John, there's opposition even internal to the body of Christ, and Pastor Jeremy talked about that. Diotrephes. Uh, what he was teaching was called wicked nonsense. In 1 John 5.21, 
John says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. There are going to be things that look attractive to you, that look like they're worthy of your time and your worship, and they are not. Keep yourself from those. So watching our walk means that we need to have a means for evaluating teaching, for knowing what is true and what is deception, what is false. So 2 John if you're, you're still there, I want to reread verses 7 through 11, because that's where we're going to focus uh, the remaining time this morning. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we've worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. So we're going to look at a couple of things, and actually point number one um, is going to take the, the most time. And I realize, you know, we only have 15, 16, 17, or an hour worth of time left. So I will try to redeem that time. Number one, why must we be watchful? Well, in verse 7, it says what? It says there are many deceivers, for there are many deceivers. So the problem is widespread. This is not an isolated thing. In Jeremiah 5, verses 30 and 31, Jeremiah says this as part of the word of the Lord to people. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their direction. That's bad enough. My people love to have it so. But what will you do when the end comes? 1 John 2.18, John says, Children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many antichrists have come. 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Don't miss the fact that there are a multitude of deceivers. Certainly Satan is a deceiver. He's the master. He's the father of the deceivers. But even the religious people in Jesus' day were deceivers. We'll see that in a little bit. The deceivers are masters, they're masters, okay, of hiding their true nature and objectives. Uh, Jesus had this to say in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jeremy mentioned this in the Adult Discipleship Hour. The prosperity gospel is not the gospel that you want or that, will, that you need or that will satisfy. That's a false gospel. And everyone that teaches that gospel is wrong. They're a false teacher. If, if you believe the nonsense that if you have faith, God will make you rich, that's silliness. That's goofy. That's a lie, basically. A little falsehood can have significant impacts. I have to love the, the way Jesus gently works with the disciples, okay? Because they, they were easily deceived. 
by even the religious rulers and leaders of their day, by the the priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Here's what he said in Matthew 16, verses 5 through 12. So they just done a, a little trip across the lake, Sea of Galilee. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Be wary of the religious teachers that are around you. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. So they're worried. Jesus is upset with us because we didn't bring provisions. We didn't bring a picnic lunch uh, after we crossed over or before we crossed. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 or how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you under, fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? He's saying, listen, bread is not an obstacle for me. If I need bread, I just command bread. Much like God commanded bread to fall from heaven, right? In the Old Testament. And then he repeats it. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to be aware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I used to work for a company that owned Red Star Yeast. You take a lot of ingredients and you put them together in a bread machine, because that's easier, and you add a packet of Red Star Yeast or Fleischmann's. I'm, I really don't care. Okay, I don't have stock in universal foods or sentient technologies. But it doesn't take a lot of yeast before the whole loaf is yeastified. And it changes. It gets puffed up. It's good. I like bread. Unfortunately, it seems like my skin doesn't care much for bread anymore, so I have to cut way, way back on that particular enjoyment. But you know, God has created all many good things for me to enjoy, so I just need to get over it. They are imposters. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, they look good on the outside. Jesus even said, they look great on the outside, but they're full of dead man's bones. They're awful. They stink. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving, and here's another sad piece of this, and being deceived. While they're deceiving others, they're actually deceived themselves. That's a huge danger that we face. And in fact, believers can deceive themselves. Paul doesn't say, watch out for all those evil people that you rub shoulders with in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your school. He says, watch yourselves. Now, why would he say that? And as I contemplated that, I was reminded that we are really good at deceiving ourselves. In fact, the scriptures talk about that in many places. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So if I hear the word and I say, good stuff, I like that word, and then I don't do what the word says, I've just deceived myself. 
That's dangerous. There was a Chinese general. I didn't know about this general until Beth uh, wanted to date a young man. And back then, in the dark ages of dating, when, you know, back in the, I don't know what year it was now, um, I always wanted to interview every young man that came. Uh, and, and Beth actually kind of liked it. Uh, in fact, she said to me, Dad, your questions are far too easy. You need to grill these guys. You need to be tough on these guys. I've even shared my questions with other uh, parents that have teenagers that, that want to grill and make uncomfortable. No, I wasn't trying to make them uncomfortable. I was trying to understand who they were and make them understand how much I loved my daughter, and I didn't want just any old activities and behaviors to be permitted. But this one young man really impressed me. It, Jason impresses me, but, you know, and I'm glad that, that Jason, Jason and Beth are together because he's right for her and she's right for him. But this guy was just really bright, and I don't know if he was just trying to... <laughs> Jason is bright, too. <laughs> you shouldn't read anything into that, okay? Maybe he was clever, okay, in a devious sort of way. And I asked him what he enjoyed reading. And he told me, I enjoy reading the work of the Chinese general Sun Tzu. And here's what one of the things that Sun Tzu said. If ignorant of your enemy and yourself, you are certain to be in peril. It's not just enough to be aware of your enemy without you must be aware of your own weaknesses and blind sides so that you can respond to life correctly. It's frightening and debilitating to be deceived by the enemy. It is terrible to be ignorant of your own situation and miss your own weaknesses, sins, wrong attitudes, and choices. And this shows up in three dangerous ways. Number one, I'm good. That's one dangerous way that self-deception can creep in. And that doesn't mean that I have to go around always bemoaning the fact that I'm a sinner and that I, I sin. But it does mean that, uh, as 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if we go through life thinking, I'm pretty good, and not attuned to what the Spirit is saying, because not only are there certain things the Spirit doesn't want us to do, there are certain things the Spirit does want us to do, and to him that knoweth to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Secondly, if he is Lord, if Jesus is Lord, and he is, he's not just Savior, he's Lord, then Jesus has a probing question. Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? That's a good question. That's a fair question. If you call me Lord, that means I'm in charge. That means I give a command. You do it. Right? It's as simple as that. And the, the third thing that I thought of was you cannot sow one thing and reap another. When I sow tomatoes, I expect tomatoes. I don't want chili peppers. Okay? I don't want lettuce. I want tomatoes. And God says, do not be deceived. You, me, don't be deceived. What a man sows is the crop he's going to get. What a woman sows is the crop she's going to get. What a child sows 
is the crop the child is going to get. Don't be deceived. So we can be self-deceived. And we need to be alert to that. And the best way to do that is to look in this book and see what God says about our lives, what's really important, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. Next, why is this so important? So you don't lose what you've worked for. Second John, verse 8. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we've worked for. So Paul has done a work in their lives. They have been at work. Now don't throw that all away. Don't do something foolish that, that causes that to go away. We do that all the time. Young men, when I was a young man, which was many, 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 many years ago, I used to exercise a lot. I, I, I wanted to be, you know, buff, beefy, whatever. Uh, didn't, as you can tell, that didn't really go very far. And it got worse over time. And in fact, bodily exercise profited little. It... it Eventually, I may be in a wheelchair, right? Or with a cane. And all that exercise, <laughs> that's vapor. I see young ladies trying to get a nice tan during the summer, and they, over the course of the summer, they get a nice tan. Let me just tell you, my dermatologist would say, there is no such thing as a nice tan. And she's right, because I see a lot of ladies that were out in the sun 50 years ago and their skin is a nightmare. And you don't want nightmare skin. Take my word for it. It's not a good thing. You buy a shiny new car. It's shiny, and you can protect it only so far before it gets its first ding, or a little bit of rust, or it starts to disappoint in performance or some other things. There are all kinds of things that you can work for that aren't going to last. But there are some things that you can be working for that will last. But don't throw them away. Don't let a deceiver gobble that all up and spit you out in the end. That's not going to be what you looked for. That's not what you hoped for. Finally, to, it's to win a full reward. Think about the best reward you've ever won. I've gotten some pretty nifty rewards in the past. I'm not going to take the time to explain all the, the, the rewards I've gotten, but um, most of them I, I can't remember, and they're not significant anymore. Got lots of insignificant rewards. Now, they were well-meaning. I'm, I'm not saying that the person who gave me the reward wasn't kind and nice and generous and thoughtful. I get that. I'm just saying, in the big scheme of things, uh, they weren't all that big of a deal. We have a father who rewards. You don't want to lose that reward. Matthew 5.12, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Great! Don't miss that. For the, So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 6.3-5, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know from your, what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. That's pretty cool. He doesn't have to do that. He says he will do that. Colossians 3, 23 and 24, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So do you have a rich relative? I mean, here on earth. 
And let's just pretend your rich relative, they don't have any other relatives that they're fond of. Okay? You are it. You are like their prized daughter or granddaughter or son or grandson or nephew. They just, they just adore you. And they got boatloads of money. They got resources coming out of their ears. And when they pass away, because they love you so deeply, they give you everything. They pour out a huge blessing. Your heavenly Father has more than that. And he loves you more than that. Don't lose that. Don't give up that reward. Be thankful for that reward. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, not like other inheritances, let me tell you, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation already to be revealed at the same time. Your heavenly Father has already poured out infinite wealth and blessings on you, and he has great plans for you in eternity. Great rewards. Why give that up? Watch yourselves. Do not be deceived. Number two, we should look at those that are teaching and see, is the focus of the teaching of Christ, or is this itching ears material? And one of the passages I thought of was Luke 10, verses 36 through 37, where Jesus is teaching a lesson to a rich uh, group of Pharisees, and, and they're obstinate people. They don't listen well. And so he asks them after he tells them the story of the Good Samaritan, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the response of the man who heard this message said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So here's what Jesus teaches. Jesus says that if the teaching doesn't include mercy, it's not from me. Jesus says, if the message does not include forgiveness, the message is not from me. Jesus says, if the message is not speaking the truth in love, the message is not from me. Jesus says that blessed are the peacemakers. Therefore, if the message isn't about peace with each other and with God, the message is not from me. And if the message does not say, God blesses you because and so you are to be a blessing to others and give generously and cheerfully, the message is not from Jesus. So just look at what Jesus did and look at what Jesus said and ask yourself, does that message that Jesus gave us compare with the message we are hearing? Another thing I think that would be helpful to us is to understand, does the teaching have value only for the present and no eternal value? Because it must have eternal value. It must. Present value teaching has some value. Okay, the, the, the teaching Jason gave us in adult discipleship hour about taxes and children, you know, that has some value. But there is a treasure principle. Jesus had this to say in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal, where moth and rust do not destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And there are those that have itching ears. And and it's a sad thing. I I read that passage earlier that people love to have the the false message. It sounds crazy to us, but they actually do. They love it. And I found a little illustration on the internet that uh, is on this next slide. These people are listening to a preacher, and they're holding up signs. And you probably can't read all of what it says, but it's basically the one that that, uh, kind of struck me was, please refer to sin as bad choices. Well, they are bad choices, but they're far worse than that. They are an affront to the holiness of God and your purpose on earth. That's what they are. And, And so telling the, the, the one that's delivering God's truth how, what you want to hear and how you want to hear it, that's not God's way of delivering the message. We need to be recipients of that word. In fact, in 2 Timothy, the, he is reminding us that a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And then he tells them what they should do. As for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Finally, examine your heart. This is the final point in point number two. Examine the heart of the person who is giving you the message. What do they love? Who do they love? What are their priorities in life? I would rather listen to investment advice and financial advice from Pastor Jeremy, who by his own admission would say, I'm not, you know, a guru when it comes to finances. Now he's no slouch either. He's not a dummy, you know. So, but I would rather listen to him than somebody whose heart is for themselves. Because that advice from a godly person is worth more than all the advice I can get from some clever person like Charles Ponzi. Jesus made it very clear, and I'm not going to read these passages. I think they're, they're in the outline. Matthew 10, 33 through 37, and Luke 7, 43 through 45. But Jesus basically said, it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. So get to know their heart, what's really important to them. When I meet with a financial advisor, I want to know what's important to you. I want to know what makes you tick. I found one this week that actually, I don't think he's a believer, but I think he's got a heart that's right. Uh, as right as a heart can be apart from Christ. And he also reminded us that no good tree, no good tree bears bad fruit. By, by their fruit, you'll know them. Ask them what they've done. By the way, check the FINRA site on any broker that you do work with. You can find out a little bit about uh, their character if they've had character flaws. So what is to be our response to those who feel, fail to meet the requirements? It actually sounds rather harsh to say, don't greet them and don't welcome them in for hospitality. That sounds rather harsh. In fact, I've heard this passage used to say, don't invite Jehovah's Witnesses into your home. Okay? Um, and I've 
invited Jehovah's Witnesses into my home, but I make it very clear when I do that I'm going to share something with them and I'm not terribly interested in what they want to share with me. Okay? Here's why John gives us this warning. Number one, don't participate in his wicked works. You don't want to be a party to what that person is doing. You don't want to give even a false impression that you agree with that. Number two, when he says don't welcome them into the house, it's a giving resources. They were supposed to show hospitality to ministers of the gospel, and if you're giving your resources to purveyors of falsehood, you're wasting your money. I had a dear friend who was a Christian at Universal Foods, and I enjoyed my time with her. She's now with the Lord. But she was deceived by one of those prosperity gospel televangelists. And she gave that person a lot of money. She was disobeying this command. She was supporting something that was not worthy of her support, and she should have been supporting something else. And finally, stand for the truth of Christ. No matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else does, Stand solid on God's promises. Stand solid on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Stand solid on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this means that we don't accept salvation by works. That's why I like that song, In Christ Alone. In Christ Alone. That's where my hope is. That's where my trust is. And that's how I measure all other teaching by Christ alone, in Christ alone, in his example as he walked among men, and in the words that he spoke, in Christ alone. So now we're going to sing a, a reality, um, and as the worship team is coming up, I want to remind us that our walk is to be observant and alert, so that we can spot the deceivers, to examine our own lives for self-deceit, for seeking lasting eternal rewards. And then to use the illustration from Adult Discipleship Hour, that little dash between the year of your birth and the year of your going home to be with glory, in glory with Christ, that dash should be fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He will hold me fast.